Hi, my name is Mandy Jackson Beverly, and I'm a bibliophile. Welcome to the Bookshop Podcast. If you're like me and love independent bookshops, buying books from human booksellers, listening to authors talk about their books, and learning about ancient books, you're in the perfect place. To help the show reach more people, please share with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Your support is appreciated. You're listening to episode 160. The Ironbridge Bookshop is located in the main square of the historic town of Ironbridge. With stunning views over the River Severn and the Iron Bridge, the town is set right in the heart of Shropshire, England. The bookshop specializes in penguin books and has a large collection which are displayed on their very own penguin wall. These books hold a special place in Meg Princess Hart, the owner of the Iron Bridge Bookshop as not only are they iconic with their striking color-coded covers and the many series that were published, but they are a wonderful piece of bookish history. When they were first published some 82 years ago, they were sent out to servicemen and prisoner of war camps. Few of these early copies survive and have become highly collectible. Hi Meg, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And I wish our listeners could see you because you look stunning with your orange hair set against that backdrop of bright orange penguin books. I know, yes. I've always wanted to be a natural redhead, but I wasn't blessed, unfortunately. So I have to dye it, but I love it. So, Well, you look gorgeous. Okay, let's begin with how and when did you become the Ironbridge bookshop owner? I think you may be the youngest indie bookshop owner I've had on the show. I am. I suppose I am fairly young. I'm 25 now. Um, and I uh, I took the shop over when I was 18. And uh, so that was back in sorry 2014. And I'd worked at the shop for a few years uh, since I was about 14 because um, uh, I knew the guy who owned it and my mum worked next door and stuff. So it worked out quite nicely. And I used to help him organise it tidy up every now and again after school for an hour or two uh, and as I got older he employed me and stuff like that and I wasn't too sure about uh, going to university that's sort of when I was 17-ish um, so I ended up going travelling instead I spent a few months uh, sort of uh, in Australia and New Zealand uh, which I loved and I was planning on staying out there but um, uh, I had a few family things go on so I, I came back and uh, the shop happened to be up for sale to be honest it um I was planning on coming back to it eventually if I if I sort of landed back in the UK, um, but it was sold on quite quickly for uh, from the guy I worked for uh, after a health scare I think it was. I haven't spoken to him for a long time actually. And um, anyway, I ended up um, chatting to the new owner uh, and ended up buying it off him because he happened to be selling it up again after he'd only been here a few months because he needed he needed the money and something. So I used the very little of what my savings I had left. Uh, with a lot of help from family, my grandparents and my parents were uh, were very supportive of me. And uh, so me and my mum basically have been running the shop for the past sort of seven-ish years nearly. What a wonderful story. And that's interesting you're in Australia because that's where I'm from. Whereabouts were you? Uh, I did all of the East Coast pretty much. Yeah, it was wonderful. I uh, yeah, I'd love to go back at some point. Being self-employed, it's quite tight. So <laughs> Yeah, and it's a long way to go for just a couple of weeks. You really need a big chunk of time. Now, do you sell new and used books at the Ironbridge Bookshop or do you specifically sell used books? Uh, yes, so we are mostly used. Um, I, I love used books. Uh, I love secondhand 
anything really it's great to re- reuse and recycle uh, we still have a few new books some local history there's a lot of uh, industrial history around here uh, and Shropshire in general so we sell uh, and a lot of those are out of print so we get some new copies of those in and a few local authors some children some local children's books and some local authors from the area and try and help them uh, as and when we can so and you specialize in penguin books yes when and how did this interest enter your life so I think it was about six months into the sort of the shop. I'd work quite tirelessly most days, getting a shop sort of from the ground back up, really. Uh, and we had a small sort of like little sort of like probably two foot shelf of penguin books, commodities and stuff. And I looked at them and thought, oh, they're quite pretty. And I didn't know very much about them, uh, to be honest, at the age of 18. Um, but there's a guy two or three doors down who owns a wonderful teddy bear shop. And he's a penguin book collector uh, and he's a friend of mine and my mum's. Uh, so I knew him anyway. And he said, oh, do you, do you know much about penguin books? Uh, and I thought, like, oh, no, I don't really. Actually, he said, "I'll oh, look into the history of them." And they said, "Oh, and get back to me." So I did. I spent the evening researching, and I was just fascinated by them. Alan Lane, the founder, and just the story of them, and uh, and and the way the, the the penguin logo changes, and the way the colours were decided, and all that. I just found them fascinating, all the little oddities and stuff. So I thought, oh, okay. So I went to a few auctions, and I managed to get a few job lots, and then from then it sort of spiraled, to be honest, and it went into a big a big obsession. And now I have thousands of them. And do collectors call you when they're searching for a specific penguin book? Yes, we do. We have a lot of uh, a lot of contacts. I send um, penguin books um, to New York, Singapore. I sent one uh, one very big box to Singapore. Uh, I have um, uh, a lot of customers in Canada as well. Uh, so yeah, we send them all worldwide. Really, but I have a lot of local customers as well. I have a a wonderful lady who um, buys a box of green penguins off me every month. Well, most months anyway, most months, um, bless her. And uh, yeah, she's wonderful. So uh, and uh, so she, and she doesn't mind what I, as long as I don't duplicate them, she doesn't mind what I pick. She says, I'll just, can I order, order, order a, uh, a box of crime? And uh, I just put a box together and she's happy with them. So she sounds like a dedicated reader and customer. Lovely, yeah. And I'm sure she was grateful for these books to arrive during lockdown. And with many parents homeschooling their children during the pandemic, were customers reaching out to you for books to help supplement teaching? Uh, sometimes, yeah, um, depending on what we had. And if obviously if I didn't have them, I can pass them on to other bookshops. Shropshire's got quite a lot of bookshops, it's new and used. So it's nice to have that uh, network and stuff. But yeah, a lot of people contacted me. Obviously, it was very strange for everybody and trying to get things in and everyone was trying to get the same thing at once. And it was <laughs> a bit manic for everybody. But yeah, I tried to help as many people as we can and, and stuff. And obviously, everyone was very grateful and... And did you use a lot of social media to help support sales during the lockdowns? And did the residents of Ironbridge help support local independent businesses? Um, the pandemic was a worry, I must admit. Um, obviously, being self-employed and having a small independent business, so many were hit so badly, and, and Ironbridge wasn't uh, didn't didn't sort of escape that. Unfortunately, we lost a few businesses over the years, um, but we survived. We're still here. We're stronger than ever, and we're still going. And um, and social media is obviously a big draw for everything. And it really did help me through the pandemic and just buying in books, having them delivered to my house. I've luckily got a nice big courtyard that I share with a few neighbours and stuff. So I could use that as a nice open space. But Ironbridge has a fantastic independent business. They're pretty much all independent businesses. All of them are sort of privately owned, um, sort of one-offs and stuff. There's a, a wonderful toy shop that's been here about a year, uh, a lovely gift shop next door, uh, the teddy bear shop I mentioned earlier. 
a lovely vintage store sort of the other end of town. Uh, next door, there's a wonderful, um, if you like to drink, <laughs> a wonderful alcohol shop. He sells fantastic rums and gins. He makes his own as well. Uh, and uh, he's got a wonderful shop, lovely cafes as well. So, Okay, so you've piqued my interest there with the perfect cafes, a bookshop and cafes. What else do I need? <laughs> <laughs> The little knowledge I have of the town of Ironbridge is that it is the birthplace of the world's first iron bridge, built over the River Severn in 1779. If I had a few days in the area, what sites do you suggest I see and where would I go for a great vegetarian meal and a perfect afternoon tea? Okay, so I mean, Iron Bridge is probably a good day in itself. There's plenty to see, lots of lovely shops, uh, some nice pubs and cafes, and uh, and we have lo- a lovely array of museums uh, sort of scattered around. Um, they're not sort of directly in Iron Bridge; they're sort of scattered on the outskirts because they're quite big. And um, we've got Blissetilla Victorian uh, Museum, which is wonderful. That's a day in itself, uh, and it takes you back in time. Uh, and all the streets are all sort of decorated, all the sh- uh, old-fashioned shop fronts. Everyone dresses up. You can get some. Uh, uh, there's a lovely sweet shop, and a lot of working machines and all sorts of stuff there. So that that's a lovely day. Uh, and there's a lot of other museums, there's an Ironworks Museum, uh, Coalport China Museum as well, which is fascinating. Uh, for a vegetarian meal, I'd probably suggest Restaurant 7. We tend to go there for my anniversary with my other half, uh, and we love it there. Uh, I'm a vegetarian as well, and so we go there. And, and most places do vegetarian options around here, actually. They're quite uh, quite on the up and up, really. So there's a couple of um, uh, sort of vegan, gluten-free cafes as well. The uh, Cafe 86 and the Greenwood Centre are brilliant. Uh, and then for afternoon tea, uh, we have a lovely sort of delicatessence, uh, sells lots of lovely um, cheese and stuff, which is a great afternoon tea, and it's Grazer Shropshire, and that's just up the road. Well, it's only nine o'clock in the morning here, and already I want scones and jam and cream. (laughs) (laughs) And since we're speaking of food, is Shropshire known for any particular dessert or specific food? Ooh. No, I don't know. It probably is. And I'm gonna and someone's gonna comment and say, Oh, it's this. And I'm like, I, I don't actually know. You can get a little shop of blue cheese. I know that. Well, there you go. Yeah, lovely shop of blue cheese. Um, Grays of Shropshire did do a lovely Ironbridge pudding, and it was a lovely uh, sort of a shoe pastry ring. It was massive. I brought it for my dad for Father's Day, uh, and it had cream and like stewed apples. And oh, it was gorgeous. Pastry, apples, and cream. That must have been delicious. It was. I think that's like, that's like her own little invention, though, but it was very nice. And you mentioned a sweet shop or in America, a candy store. Do they make their own sweets? Uh, a bit of both. I love those old fashioned candy stores, the lolly shops, we used to call them. There is one in the town where I grew up in Tasmania. It's changed a little bit, of course. But I remember as a kid walking in and I'd have my, you know, 10 cents or something like that. And you'd ask for a bag of mixed sweets or mixed lollies. And the sweets would all be in these big glass jars with lids on top. And you know, I'll confess, I still go back there whenever I'm in town. Oh, no way. Amazing. Walking into candy stores is like a sensory overload, a bit like walking into a bookshop. Yeah, it's a a real experience. Yeah. (laughs) And speaking of experiences, you mentioned you were 18 when you bought the Ironbridge Bookshop. In retrospect, is there anything you would have done differently? Um, there's probably a heap of things I'd probably do differently, even now, sort of like seven years in. Um, it's a, always a learning curve, sort of being self-employed and stuff. But I think I'd have liked to have had more knowledge of books in general. I lo- I've always loved to read uh, and I had a fairly extensive sort of knowledge of literature and stuff. But obviously literature and selling books is very very different and there's a lot of things that um uh, I didn't know about books and sort of pricing them up and and stuff like that and I do a bit of book binding as well sort of like preparing 
throwing old books where I can so they don't go to waste because I, I hate to see them wear a little bit teared and stuff and then not, yeah and stuff like that but yes and I suppose I'd also never run a business before I'd, I'd I hadn't really had much I'd worked in the shop sort of but selling books but obviously running the bookshop was very uh, very different really um but yeah I think having more experience I suppose but I suppose you can't get experience without without throwing yourself into it so and that's what I did and here I am so yeah you definitely jumped off the deep end indeed yes and do you have a favorite penguin book Oh, a favourite penguin book. I haven't got it in actually. Um, I've been away for a week. I wasn't very well. My mum sold it on to somebody, uh, but it's um, Penguin 1000. It's got a lovely cover uh, and it's got sort of like decorative leaves just around like the penguin logo. Uh, and uh, it's called One of Our Submarines and it's written by uh, Edward Young, who was a gentleman who designed the logo for uh, for Penguin or the original logo sort of some years prior to him actually uh, actually writing the book and stuff. So that, that's quite a nice little little sort of special book. He, he wasn't much of an artist or really anything he was a uh, he was in the service and he was just asked to design a logo please please go to the to the london uh, london zoo and uh, um, draw all these birds and i'll pick which one i like <laughs> sort of thing so that, that that's, that's got quite a nice little story too but they're all quite quirky and stuff really in their own way and they've got all, all they always have lovely adverts sort of old-fashioned adverts the old cabris or like old shaving cream and stuff like that from the 40s and i would love to know more about the penguin books the actual collections do they come in genres like crime, as you mentioned earlier, romance? Yes. So all of the uh, all of the orange fiction, green are all crime. So yeah, they have like a color coded genre system. Uh, so I think orange are probably the most iconic. Most people know the orange, and the green are probably the most popular. They sell really well now, and they did at the time as well. So a lot of them are quite hard to find now. And they did plays which were red. Purple were essays. Blue were biographies. Grey were world affairs. Yellow were miscellaneous and pink were travel and adventure. And did they only use Penguin signed authors or did they buy the rights to be able to use authors from other publishing companies? Um, it was a bit of both, really. Like some, and there was a, a very famous uh, trial with the Lady Chatterley's lover, and that was all about the rights. And obviously, the the publication of it anyway was pretty pretty sketchy, to be honest. <laughs> no matter who published it and stuff. Um, but yes, yeah, so some they brought the rights to. Uh, some they were they were specifically done for for Penguin stuff like that, and they were all originally sold in in train stations as a sort of like a inexpensive, well made book. Well, you may have gotten me hooked now because I'm looking around at my library in the office and I can see a few Penguin books here that I inherited from my mum and dad. So I'll have to take a closer look. While we're speaking about books, is there a book you'd like to suggest others read? And what are you currently reading? Uh, so I'm currently reading a, it's a quite a big series of books um, by an author called LJ Ross. So she's from Northumberland. Uh, and she writes sort of like crime thrillers all based in in the area, all the like landmarks around there. And um I think I started them just before Christmas and, and I've read about 12 of them so far and just in that series and I'm, I'm hooked uh, and they're, they're, they're really well written and the characters are, I'm very invested in the character story arc. So thankfully there's about 18 of them so I've still got a way to go but I'm really enjoying them actually and I must admit I never see them secondhand, it's really strange. I've been in the shop seven years and I've, I've only just managed to get a secondhand one in which is really funny. People must hold on to them. Yes, exactly. Whether it's just because obviously we're quite away from Northumberland, they probably don't get read as much round down here. I don't know. It's 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 funny how it works, really. Uh, recommendations. Oh, it's just one of this question where you think, oh, what book have I read in my life? <laughs> yeah, it's a big question. I know it's one of those that you just forget everything, don't you? But um, I usually recommend Terry Pratchett uh, in his Discworld novels. 
Um, they're really good for sort of like if you like fantasy, obviously, because they are quite heavily fantasy based. But um, they're very quirky. Ada's fantastic world building, very good characters, and they are good for all ages as well. And he's got sort of like uh, some slightly shorter ones um, for the young ones, and he's got some children's books as well. Um, but yeah, and, and they are just very, very funny and and stuff. And he progressed as the years went on as well to the end of his life and sort of uh, politically and stuff like that. What a great choice. And you know you're the first one to bring up Terry Pratchett, so that makes me feel good. Thank you. Oh, good. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. And Meg, if you were to envision the bookshop in the next couple of years, how do you see it? I have a lot of ideas. Um, my problem really is, is space. I've got quite a small shop. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Um, it's a wonderful location. I mean, like a like an arched building. Um, and there's a sort of like four or five of us. Uh, and the arch is a bridge. It's a beautiful shop. Yeah. And um, But I am quite limited in space, really. And uh, also because we're English Heritage, we come under English Heritage Landmark, which is fantastic. But obviously there's only so much you can do to your building without having to have permission and stuff. And I totally get that. You've got to be keep it in keeping with the town and everything. Um, but ideally, I'd like to move shops, not from Ironbridge. I'd like to just sort of find a slightly bigger space if I can and expand. And I'd like to have a whole host events and stuff. I don't, I don't have room for that. I've done some events sort of outside of my shop and taken the shop with me and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'd like to actually sort of have an actual communal space in the in the shop. So potentially maybe in two years I might be there. I don't know. I've got plenty of time. It's obviously it's just, it's just finding the right space and without moving too far from where we are now and stuff like that. So. And are most of your customers local or does your business rely mostly on tourism? Um, we are a really big tourist destination, yes. Um I mean, I have a lot of regulars, people who come back sort of weekly and they bring books in and we do little swaps and stuff like that, uh, which is always nice. Always nice to see a friendly face and stuff. But it's also lovely to meet people from all over the world. It's always astounded me the amount of people we get that come from absolutely everywhere. Uh, and we get so many uh, people from America and Australia and New Zealand and, and, and China. And it's just fantastic uh, to see them. They've come all this way to sort of Ironbridge, which is don't get it wrong, a beautiful place, but we are quite little. It's literally a street. It is like it's just a it's a lovely street on uh, next to the river and the bridge and the museums and stuff. But we are just one little street compared to like somewhere like London, where it's obviously the the, the capital and everything and stuff. So yeah, it just astounds me that uh, so many people come here and like by the coach load. And it's it's lovely to see and it's glad that that's picking up again now and we're seeing a lot more a lot more uh, tourists and stuff. And it's just nice that they they, they pick Ironbridge to come to. Well, that's good to hear because tourism is great for business. Exactly. Oh, you do. Yeah, it keeps us all afloat. Oh, yeah, honestly, because the, the winter months can be quite dire sometimes. <laughs> they can. Even with the locals, obviously, they, they everyone's sort of after Christmas, everyone's sort of uh, a bit down in the dumps or it's snowing. And if it snows here, it's beautiful, but you get stuck because <laughs> uh, if you, yeah, <laughs> to get to Iron, but you have to go sort of up or down a hill. So, <laughs> so yes, snow doesn't agree with us, I'm afraid, but as beautiful as it is, but. Well, every place in the world has its pros and cons for living there. It does. Oh, of course it does. Yes. Meg, it's been lovely chatting with you. And thank you for teaching me about Penguin Books. That was fun. And I wish you all the best with the bookshop in the future. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to my conversation with Meg Prince, owner of the Iron Bridge Bookshop in Shropshire, England. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mandy Jackson Beverly. And check out my website at mandyjacksonbeverly.com. And if you'd like to contribute to the coffee fund, go to thebookshoppodcast.brassprout.com 
click on the little orange heart in the right-hand corner of the page and you can donate using PayPal. Your contributions support the production and editing costs of the show. For information regarding sponsoring an episode, email thebookshoppodcast at gmail.com. The Bookshop Podcast is produced by Mandy Jackson-Beverly, theme music provided by Brian Beverly, executive assistant to Mandy, Adrian Otterhan, and graphic design by Francis Farala. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.